If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, if you need a copy of the scriptures, there should be a Bible in the chairs or pews in front of you, and we're on page 807 to get to Matthew chapter 2. This Christmas uh, season, we call Advent, as we've anticipated uh, this day, we have been studying the songs of Christmas, this music of Christmas that we find in Luke's gospel. And so we looked at those uh, four things, and so this morning... Uh, we find our way to Matthew's gospel and hear what he has to say, what happened after the birth of Jesus. So today I have some good news for you and I have some bad news. Uh, the good news is a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Uh, the bad news is your manger scene might need a little adjustment after today's sermon. So just putting that warning out there for you. Uh, we've, again, spent several Sundays looking at Luke's gospel and how the gospel first came to, to Mary, to Zechariah, proclaimed by the angels, and Simeon's hope fulfilled. But today, our anticipation is over, and we look for another advent of Christ, another coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us of this coming in, later in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 24, when he says, then will appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and, and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Christ is coming again. But what happened after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The Bible actually tells us very little about Jesus' life as a, a toddler and a teenager. Uh, but there is something that the Bible tells us that did happen after Jesus was born, and Matthew took care to record it in his gospel. It probably took place one or two years after Christ was born. And so let's read about this amazing event here, the Visit of the wise men, here in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is God's holy word to us this morning. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler." who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I too may come and worship him. 
After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Pray with me, please. O oh Lord, our Emmanuel, we thank you for your holy word that has been recorded for us and has recorded these amazing things that happened around the birth, life, and death of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the good news that has been revealed to us in Christ, our Savior, who's been born. Please teach us now from your word that we might be built up in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Hopefully you noticed today when you arrived at church this morning that the, the wise men have arrived here at the front sidewalk uh, of the church just in time for today's sermon. <laughs> here at Cornerstone, we believe in being as biblically accurate as possible in all that we say and all that we teach. So you will notice there's no manger scene on the property. But the wise men are here. The wise men are here. The wise men or the Magi, as they are referred to by their Greek name, they probably did not show up until about two years after Jesus was born. I'll never forget uh, my first year in seminary taking one of my New Testament classes called Synoptics and Acts. And Synoptics are the, the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we study them in great detail. And so as my New Testament professor was, was telling us and teaching us through the Christmas story, and we got to Matthew 2, I remember him saying over and over that class, get those wise men out of your manger scene. They're not supposed to be there. We'll see why here in a minute. Who were these wise men or these magi? Well, they were probably, they were in fact Gentiles, and they were probably from somewhere in Persia in the ancient world, modern day Iran. Uh, they came, as the scriptures tell us, from the east, perhaps some 800 miles from the Holy Land and the events that are recorded for us in the scriptures. These wise men were probably astrologers and, and some type of ancient scientist. Uh, despite the, the clever Christmas song that is sung this time every year, uh, there's no reference in the Bible to tell us that they were actually kings. Uh, although they probably did have some prominence and maybe even had some pomp and circumstance that went before them. What is amazing about these magi is that they came for one purpose. They said, we're coming to worship the king, the, the king who was born, the king of the Jews. They weren't Jewish. Why would they come and worship a king who was not of their people? And we're not even sure what it was exactly that stirred them oh, we need to go and worship this king. They simply came because of their observation of the stars. So apparently God used this supernatural and astronomical event to guide these men to Jesus. 
What is most amazing about this event is the fact that they come from very far to worship Jesus. We see very clearly in Matthew's gospel, the religious leaders reject Christ and the political leaders do everything they can to get rid of Christ. So what does this visit of the Magi mean? Well, it primarily means this, and it's the point that Matthew's trying to make in his gospel. Here we have the Gentiles, the nations coming to worship the true king, the savior king, Jesus. There are a few things, though, we need to correct about our understanding of these wise men or these magi. And again, I'm sorry if you have to rearrange your manger scene this morning. We're not really sure how many wise men there were. Tradition says it was, there were three, but we know there were more than three. There were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so that's where we get the idea of three. Their number, their entourage, as you will, is probably hundreds that came into Jerusalem. We know that because verse 3 says that they created quite a stir with their visit, such a stir that Herod was like, whoa, whoa, whoa bring those guys to me. What is going on here? Who, who are they talking about? Uh, they brought these particular gifts to give to Mary and Joseph and to the newborn king. These gifts definitely seem to recognize the divinity of Jesus. They were certainly recognizing his royal birth. Gifts were fairly common and given uh, during, the, during that time in the coming into the presence of someone greater than, those, than the giver. Again, the, the wise men were not at the manger scene with the shepherds. The Magi, we read in verse 11, they found Jesus in a house, uh, not a stable. Uh, Mary and Joseph were still residing in Bethlehem at this time. That's where they go and they find him. Uh, we don't know why they still were in Bethlehem for this amount of time. They went there to be registered, but obviously they stuck around for a while. Uh, we know for sure they were from Nazareth. That's what Luke tells us. They went to Bethlehem because of the family connection that Joseph had to David. He had to go there to be registered. So Matthew, though, is making it clear that Jesus was supposed to be there. He was supposed to be born there to fulfill the prophecy we find in Micah. The main point that Matthew's gospel is making is that the Magi come to worship Jesus as the king. We see the nations and even kings coming to his light. And of course, this is the fulfillment of that very, very old promise made to Abraham. Do you remember what God told Abraham? Look up in the Sky, count the number of stars. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. And oh, by the way, Abraham, through you, all the nations will be blessed. How would that happen? How would that come to be? We see that now, that promise being fulfilled in the coming of Christ. So what are some lessons that we can learn from these wise men and from this this scene that Matthew records for us in chapter 2. I want us to look at three Christmas lessons, and when I want us to look at it from the, the three types of people that Matthew mentions here in the visit of the wise men, there's, there's Herod, 
the, the king in, 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 in Jerusalem at the time. And then we have uh, the religious leaders, the scribes and chief priests. And then, of course, there were the wise men. So lesson one. Lesson one, we see the rejection of Christ's lordship illustrated through Herod. Uh, J.C. Ryle says this. He says, let's observe this passage, how true it is that the rulers of this world are seldom friendly to the cause of God. The rulers of this world are seldom friendly to the cause of God. The Lord Jesus comes down from heaven to save sinners, and at once we are told that Herod the king seeks to destroy him. Herod is known in history to be a brutal tyrant. You can read all about him and the brutality he exhibited toward his own family. He had many killed because of his evil jealousy. So we must not take Herod's curiosity over the wise man's quest to believe that he truly wanted to worship Christ, for he was lying in this passage. For in the next passage, in the next scene we find in Matthew's gospel, we see that he sends his soldiers to do something awful in Israel, to have all the male children under two years of age and and younger murdered. But the point is this, that Herod is the first person the Bible records as rejecting Christ who had come in the flesh. Church history tells us that he later died of a very painful disease. Uh, He apparently didn't live long, for in Matthew chapter 2, verse 19, it talks of him dying while Jesus was young, and they traveled back to Egypt. They traveled from Egypt back to Israel after he had died. But let Herod's demise, let his demise and his rejection of Christ be an example to all of us that it is a dreadful thing to reject the Lord Jesus Christ as King and Lord, a treacherous thing. Ultimately, rejecting, some people say, well, I don't reject Christ, I reject Christianity, or I reject religion, or I reject this moral way of living, or this certain code that you're supposed to live by, but let's not reject Christ, the King. Let Herod's Life teach you and me. It is perilous, perilous to reject Christ. For we just read earlier in the service that when Christ comes again, he is going to separate those who know him, who love him, who are his people from those who have rejected him. For those who have rejected him, there is no hope. There is only hell to look forward to. So perhaps today's the day for you to realize, maybe you've just come to church once a year, and today's the day for you to realize that rejecting Christ as your Lord and Savior is not good for your soul. It's perilous. Perhaps the day is today for you to confess your sin of rejecting Christ and to fall down and worship him as King and Savior. Let Herod's rejection be a lesson to all of us, how perilous it is to reject Christ. Lesson two, though, we find here, in the apathy of Christ's coming by the religious leaders. We see the religious leaders here in Jesus' day when he was born showing great apathy. 
So the next group of characters we find in this story, the religious leaders. And so after Herod and all Jerusalem, they were, they were troubled, they were roused up by the arrival of the wise men and their entourage. And so Herod uh, gathered these, these folks together to figure out what, what it was that they were talking about and, and, and who is it they're looking for. And, and by the way, once you've got to search all those scrolls that you have and figure out where is this Christ got to be born? Now, what it says here, it's a very simple sentence here in this, in this passage when it said that he assembled uh, all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people. Uh, when we read over that at first, it doesn't mean much to us, but this was a big deal. I mean, this was like he, it was like getting the Republicans and the Democrats together to agree on like, you know, abortion. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge deal that he got these two groups, the scribes and the priests together. And, and, and what's even more amazing, not only is it amazing he got them together to, to, to have a conference, right? Well, it was even more amazing that he got them together to agree on something. And, and they concurred that Christ was to be born in Bethlehem of Judea according to prophecy, according to Scripture. But also remarkable and quite sad, actually, is that though their, their head knowledge was spot on, spot on in identifying the prophecy in Micah, their heart knowledge was underwhelming. We have no record of the religious leaders jumping on the bandwagon with the wise men to go to Bethlehem and to worship this king who was born. For all we know, they just went back on their merry way, and this good news did not affect them at all. So we find from the religious leaders, the religious leaders of the people, the worst form of apathy. They had the head knowledge. They knew the catechism. They knew the Bible verses. They knew the prophecies, and it simply, it didn't move them. They didn't care. They should have joined in the journey with the wise men and gone to Bethlehem to see this king who had been born. So this needs to be a warning to us and to all of the church. Just as rejecting Christ is a dangerous thing, so is apathy. Apathy towards the Lord Jesus Christ is a dangerous thing. To, to be apathetic, to be uninterested, to not care about the things of God, it is perilous to our souls. The Bible speaks over and over to apathy, saying that those who are apathetic, they will fade away like the flowers of the field. They'll be cut down like a worthless tree. Jesus says in Revelation, he is going to spit out his apathetic people who are lukewarm in the faith. The point is this. Being apathetic about following Christ, about going to church and worship, about glorifying God in your daily life, and, and apathy toward pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is perilous. It is dangerous for your soul. It is a highway to hell. So what should you do? What should you and I do if we've found ourselves like Herod, rejecting Christ? What should we do if we've found ourselves like these religious leaders and just indifferent?
towards seeking Christ, just meh. Is that what the emoji is these days? Meh, you know? Well, let's let these wise men teach us. Let's let these wise men teach us what it means to pursue Christ. That's the third lesson. The zeal of the wise man who sought to worship Christ. Consider, consider all that these wise men did to come and visit the king. They, they traveled very far. There was no airplanes. There was no cars. There was no trains. To travel 800 miles back in that day would be like the equivalent of us trying to like travel around the world on foot. I mean, or, or, I mean I'm sorry, in a car. Just very, very far. Consider how much time and money that they had to give up to do such a thing. They had incredibly simple faith. They didn't have the catechism. (laughs) They didn't have the Bibles. They didn't have the scrolls. God had revealed to them a star. They were not following any prophecies that we know of. They simply were following what God had revealed to them, a supernatural star. And they had a joy that perhaps only matched the shepherds when they came to the house where Jesus was. Look at what it says that they did when they arrived there in verse 9, verse 10. When they saw the star that had rested over the place where Jesus was in the house with his parents, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, this is another one of those times in the Bible where if Matthew's grammar teacher had gotten a hold of this sentence, she would have marked it all up, put a big F and said, you can't do that. It's too many (laughs) dress-ups. But what are they trying to do here? Trying to show the excitement and the zeal and the joy that Christ brings, the good news that a Savior has been born. And what did they do when they got there? They fell down and worshiped. Worship Christ the King. This is the lesson for you and I to learn from these wise men, to fall down, to give ourselves to give up our, even our possessions, our status, our notoriety, whatever it looks like, and to, to worship Christ. He is the king, the king who is returning, to whom one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. These wise men teach us that Christ is worthy He's worthy of all of our energies, all of our gifts, all of our money, all of our time, all of our treasures, all of our energy. He's worth it all. You know, you and I don't need a supernatural sign in the sky to lead us to where Christ is. Today, we know where he is. He is the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He's at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And we are here today to preach Christ and him crucified and to hear him proclaimed. We can fall down now and worship him, give our lives to him. 
the faith of these wise men, it's, it's commendable. They believed and they worshiped. You and I have more evidence. We have more scripture, more proof than the wise men that helps us to know that Jesus Christ is the Lord. But let these example of these wise men teach us. May we be diligent to seek out Christ in our daily lives, by reading our Bibles, by prayer, by corporate worship, by loving God and loving others. That's the big takeaway for us from these wise men. The big takeaway, though, for us this Christmas is this. The Son of God who took on flesh, who was born to be a sacrifice for sin, this truth, it demands a response. And our response is worship. Worship Christ the King. Merry Christmas. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, move in our hearts like you did the wise men long ago. Stir in us a holy curiosity so that we may seek Christ out in our daily lives. Forgive us for we have rejected Christ and been apathetic about his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. Work in us a, a joy that causes us to rejoice exceedingly with great joy because of the good news of Jesus being born. We pray all this in the name of our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.